Morning. I ought to wake you up right there. All right. Hey, glad you could be here as we close out this series called Stretch Marks. And I understand if you're a guest this morning, that title probably sounds a little bit odd, but uh, uh, I'll explain in a second. However, I was looking through my past notes of some uh, sermon stuff that I had done. I realized uh, in 2014, I did a series called Love Handles. So I, there must be something wrong with my brain. We got love handles, stretch marks. I'm not sure how all well that works out. But nonetheless, the entire premise for this series is that in a section of your Bible called Matthew, named after its author, we have recorded for us a sermon that Jesus preached. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what you'll find in there, if you'll read that, is Jesus really stretching the beliefs of his listeners. And he says things like, blessed are those who are merciful and blessed are those who are pure and blessed are those who are meek. So if you want to be blessed, you need to be these things in life. And he says stuff like, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you, and then he stretches them in what they thought was a belief. And he says, no, no, this is what I say. And he goes on to say, when you pray, assuming that you do, you should pray like this, except the people he was talking to were Jewish. They should have known how to pray. And what he's really doing is stretching their beliefs on prayer. He does this throughout the entire message, stretches the, belief, uh, the beliefs of his listeners. And what I think Jesus was telling people then, what I think he's telling you right now in a very real way is that this could be the best year of your life, but only if it's your best year spiritually. You've got to do some things within your spiritual life if you want to have a really great 27th And so we've been exploring what some of those things are. And I'm a practical guy. I don't want you just reading the Bible. I I want you actually applying the Bible. And so what I wanted to do over these four weeks together is really apply some of the things that Jesus preached on in this Sermon on the Mount and how we can incorporate those into our life so we can have the best year spiritually and ultimately the best year of our life. And so week one, we talked about uh, your faith. And how worrying about your life and how anxiety does nothing to grow you as a human being. And so we got to learn how to trust God and not be anxious. And then week two, we talked about uh, your time and how we got to stretch time. If you remember my rock demonstration, we got to put the priorities in first and we got to schedule those things. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. And then last week, we talked about your money how you can stretch your finances this year, gave you some practical wisdom, how this can be the best year financially even in your life. So if you missed any of those, check them out online. But today I want to speak to you on the subject of relationships. So right out of the gates, let me just tell you my goal this morning is to help you. Whatever stage of life you're in, young, old, single, married, whatever it is, I think we got some things that we can incorporate from Scripture that will maximize the relationships in your life. I'll just prove it to you right now, uh, right at the beginning. Any single people here this morning, just don't be shy. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No, keep them up. Keep them up. Take a look around. You're welcome. Okay, so there you go. Now you got something you can find somebody after service. And uh, no, but seriously, it's a great place to meet people in church. I can honestly tell you, though, this morning, that if you want to have your best life possible, it's going to be with it found within the relationships that you form. I once heard a pastor say that uh, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's very true. 
the relationships that you're building in your life will very much impact the future that you can have. So think about it. How often do you make decisions based on the people around you? What you wear, the car you drive, maybe the neighborhood you bought your house in, the TV shows that you watch, the restaurants you go to, the movies that you see, uh, sports that you like. Oftentimes, it has to deal with the relationships, the people that are in your life, the things that they like, and you want to fit in. And so you make decisions based on those things. Just the other day, I was in a shoe store. It's where I like to do most of my ministry, uh, townies, finish line. Uh, champ sports. Anyway, uh, can't actually buy anything, but sometimes I just like to go in there and look and dream and lust after shoes. Imagine what they would feel like on my feet walking down. Anyway, uh, I was there the other day trying to be the shining beacon of light for the gospel of Jesus, and uh, a kid was in there trying to convince his mom to buy him some LeBrons, right? And so I felt like I probably should have stepped into that gap, and he's like, listen, ain't nobody want LeBrons, okay? Like, <laughs> Mike, right? I mean, Uncle Mike, you know, happy birthday this week, Mike. Anyway, uh, his mom was trying to tell him that, no, these, these shoes are too expensive, son. We, I, I, why do you need this pair of shoes? He says, because so-and-so has them. And not much has changed in the history of life, right? I mean, we all want to try and fit in, and, and uh, even into adulthood, we make many of our decisions based on the relationships we've formed. And even if you're here today and you're thinking, well, pastor, I'm pretty much an introvert. I don't need relationships the same way other people relate. I'm fine by myself. Think about this. You walk into almost any coffee shop in the world, and yes, you'll see people sitting by themselves on their phone or tablet or whatever, drinking their coffee uh, many restaurants. In fact, Leighton, my son and I just went to Wendy's this week, and there's a, a booth with a wall in front of it. So you can only sit in the one side. So if you're by yourself, you don't actually have to feel weird. You can just look at the wall. Uh, and I've, maybe you feel weird. I don't know. But I read how many restaurants, they're actually incorporating this into their philosophy, that they're building booths just for one people so that people can sit by themselves. And you think about, well, why is that? Why do you have to go and be by yourself, yet around other people? Those people could have got their coffee to go. You could have got your meal to go. But within us, there's this internal desire that our soul does not want to be alone. That even if we're by ourselves, we need to feel like we're in a congregation of other people. And it's because God has designed your soul for relationship. But don't take my word for it, all right? Let's look at what God has to say about it. If you bought, brought a Bible, I hope you did, go ahead and grab it. You can open up to the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Again, this is uh, Jesus preaching. You want the big number seven. That's chapter seven. Uh, we know this is the words of Jesus because it's red here in my Bible. If you didn't know, Jesus speaks in red words, okay? You want the big number seven, little number one. It reads, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A very wise theologian that I first heard way back in high school said, uh, summarized this, this verse this way. He said, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Some of you are with me, right? Well, eyes cute. Okay. The one of you. Never, never ignore that. Here's how I want you to write it down in reality. Uh, get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt. Get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt. Having a log in your eye ends bad. You need to get yourself healthy. And in the context of relationships, this is especially true. I'll tell you what I mean. If you've ever had a friend who you trusted with a secret, maybe they hurt you by spreading that secret around. Maybe you had a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. They did something to hurt your feelings. God forbid that you had a pastor or a church leader do something to hurt you that really just turned off your ability to even want to go to church and you just kind of shunned the whole thing and railed against it. Well, Jesus here is saying that you've got to get yourself healthy so you don't end up hurt. That in a very real way, if you're healthy, people could uh, impact your life and it will hurt, but it won't hurt as long or as bad. Okay, here's how else you can think about it. You might want to write this down as well. Get yourself healthy before you get somebody else hurt. Get yourself healthy before you get somebody else hurt hurt. If you've got a log in your eye and you're trying to fish out, anybody ever have surgery and then the surgeon walks in and you find out that he's blind? Like, like how many of you are saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm, take me off the list, okay? I'll go find somebody else. And that's kind of what this passage is talking about. You got to get the log out of your eye before you start fishing around in somebody else's eye and you can't even see yourself. You're going to mess around and get somebody hurt, Here's the idea behind both of those ideas. You think about this. Jesus, the perfect teacher, he was betrayed. For those of you who don't know, he had 12 guys that he called his disciples that he recruited, and he helped uh, change the world through these guys. But there was one unhealthy one, and he betrayed Jesus. Now, really think about that. Judas is this guy's name. He had the perfect teacher, the perfect pastor. He was in the perfect small group, and God was literally speaking to him every single day of his life, and then he still hurts Jesus by betraying him. What's it mean for you? It means sometimes you are your own worst enemy. Sometimes you can have the perfect setup in your life, but if you're not healthy, you're hurting those around you. There are people who are willing to serve Then there are people who need to be served. And if you're a Christian, the call in your life is to put yourself out there, to empower people and to serve them. And the first step in that is you've got to make yourself healthy. And so what's cool about this idea of getting yourself healthy is it's actually uh, got some really popular research behind it outside of the Bible. So if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I'm not even asking you to change your beliefs. You can actually see this in very real world and uh, uh, studies to back this idea up that you've got to get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or worse yet, you hurt somebody else. There's a guy named Dr. Les Parrott. He wrote 
a number of books on relationships. A lot of them focus around marriage. In fact, if you uh, ask me to, to officiate your wedding or something like that, you need marital counseling. We do uh, a lot of Dr. Les Parrott's books. Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts is the one we do if, uh, if you, you're recently engaged or whatever. But I want you to listen to what he says about relationships. This is big. It says, if you try to build a connection with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting yourself whole, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. So true, isn't it? All your relationships come an attempt to try and complete yourself. If you're a, a parent and you have teenagers, or if, if you work in middle schools, first of all, may God bless you in a special way. Uh, second of all, you see this nearly every single day in every relationships in these kids' lives. They're hanging out with people because of how they make them feel. They do things, usually ridiculous, insane things, because of they want to fit in. And that's sad is that almost never changes once you get into adulthood. See this, uh, if you've ever watched that movie, Jerry Maguire. If you haven't, don't. Uh, but if you have, there's a scene in the movie where Tom Cruise gives this just beautifully impassioned speech to Renee Zellweger. And he says, you complete me. Just like that. He says it, whispers it. It's, it's powerful. Never mind. But everybody in the theater they were female, they began to sob. Yes, you complete me. I want that soul mate. And all the men said, that is so dumb, so dumb. Yet it's what every person chases after, the idea that someone can complete them. I'll just give you the hard truth right now, and that is there's not that person in this world. That person does not exist. If you don't do the difficult work of getting yourself healthy, your relationships become this attempt to find people that will complete you, and the only person that can complete you is the God of the universe who created you, has a plan and purpose for your life. He is the one that will ultimately complete you. He knows everything about you and yet loves you anyway. God, Jesus. So listen to me. The only way you can have a life-giving, helpful, encouraging, and useful relationship is to get your relationship with God right, to get the vertical relationship before these horizontal relationships. Here's the problem. I totally get this. It's a big problem. It's a problem even I face because it's, it's not like God just shows up and speaks to us. Wouldn't, wouldn't life be a lot easier if God in the flesh, if Jesus in his robe and his sash would just show up and we could see his feathered hair and his magnificent beard, and, and he would speak to us right in that moment. Wouldn't this relationship, it's, am I the only one who sometimes feels like this relationship is one-sided? And God says, no, you've got you to gotta trust me in this. You've got to get this relationship right. You've got to get yourself healthy, and then we can focus on these outer relationships. And I, I think I've discovered some things that, that can help us with this. And so the rest of our time this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to show you how this can be the best year of your life, but only if it's your best year spiritually. I want some tools that can help us uh, within these relationships. Look at your neighbor and say, you really need this. You really, this is for you. Okay. You came to church for, I'm kidding, but get yourself healthy. 
before you get yourself hurt or worse yet, you hurt somebody else. Here's what you can do. Here's how Monday looks different for you because you came to church on Sunday. Discover your profound significance. And discover your profound significance. Did you know that you have profound significance? You do. Do you know God has an amazing plan for your life? He does. Let me show you this in Scripture. Check it out. Ephesians 4.1. I want you to get out there and walk. No, no, no. Better yet, run, he says, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you, any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Here's what that just said. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's put you on a road that goes somewhere, somewhere amazing, somewhere fun, somewhere good, somewhere life-giving. I think one of the biggest knocks on Christianity is that it's a dull, boring, and life-sucking, you know, fun, withholding religion. And if you take a look around at most Christians' life, you probably get that. Most people think Christianity is boring because many Christians that they know are living lame, boring lives. And it's sad. God never had intended this for you to live a boring life. You don't need to look any further than the fact that he created magnificent oceans to surf on, mountains to climb, waterfalls to jump off of, animals to hunt. These are not creations of man. These are only creations of God. These were God's ideas. And as we've talked about before, and we talked about specifically last week, God says, I'm going to give you time to enjoy them. I want you to enjoy this life. I want you to have fullness of life. It should be amazing. But get this. This is big. Your job is to figure out how you fit in. Your job, part of the journey of life, is to discover this profound significance. That's the beauty of it. It's how you get yourself healthy. You've got to get yourself whole by discovering this profound significance. What gifts and abilities has God given you? Paul, the guy who wrote this, tells us, stop doing trivial stuff, sitting on your hands, going down a road that leads nowhere. He says you're supposed to be running in the direction that God has called you, in a direction that makes a difference. Paul will go on to say in another letter he wrote, Colossians uh, 3.23, that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. You say, Pastor, well, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what makes me different. Pastor, I'd run. I'd stop sitting around. If I just knew, tell me what to do. You've got to try stuff out. That's what it is. It's a journey. You've got to try things that you like. I tell people all the time, I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. I just want you to make a ministry out of it. Do what you enjoy, but serve God in doing it. Figure out where God leads leads you. If you're following him and submitting your life to him, he'll make it clear and make it known what you're supposed to do. And you'll find that because as you try these things out, you'll be discontent in all those things. We call that holy discontentment, that you're trying to figure out this path of life and God steers you in a different direction. As many of you know, I never set out to be a pastor in my life. I have a sports management master's degree, not a church management degree, but over and over. As I started a business, as I worked in schools, as I coached, there was just something that was always missing. 
God was trying to prepare me for this moment in life. He, he allowed me to be discontent so that he could put me back on the journey and gently nudge me along the road that he called me to run. Some of you need to just try things out to figure out what this road is that God has called you to run on. Stop waiting for God to show up. You start seeking him out. Jesus said that in Matthew 5. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things are going to be added to you as well. So true. Get that vertical relationship right. All these other relationships will get right as well. But secondly, this is a really big deal. Okay? UCLA put out a study a few years ago that showed on average the conversation that you have with yourself, which you always have that conversation. There's always that voice running inside of your head. It showed that 73% of the time that voice is saying negative things. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You look dumb in those jeans. Right? Nobody's laughing at your jokes. You're probably, people are probably making fun of you right now. People should be investing in you. Why are you the one that does everything? You have to put on all the hard work. 73% negative. But remember, you got to get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or you hurt somebody else. And healthy people don't have negative conversations in their mind 73% of the time. It's just not true. Those things, the voice in your head, you say, no, no, no. When that voice comes in, you say, no, I'm a child of God. God's given me a significant purpose in life. God loves me. I've got a plan. I am significant. I'm going to run to achieve it. Some of you this morning came here for this moment to hear the pastor say, you are significant. God's got a plan for your life. And that if you are not dead, God's not done. Amen, somebody. Got something for you to do, to run after, to serve his purpose and give you enjoyment in life. You have profound significance in this world if you're only work to, to the glory of God. You'll impact the world around you. Stop sitting around. Try things out. Be positive in your own life. Don't let that negative voice take control of your mind. Here's something else you can do. Get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or you hurt somebody else. Number two, be authentic. In everything, you got to be authentic in everything. One of the things that I love most about this church is I don't feel like you have to walk in here and pretend to be anything you're not. I think you come in here and it's a safe place. If you're not having a good week, you can tell people, I'm not having a good week, and that's okay. You don't have to fake it. I tell people, say, it's an okay place to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We want to help you take your next steps, whatever they are for you. Now, here's why authenticity is such a big deal. Because if you're fake all the time, nobody's going to know what's actually happening in your life. Nobody's going to be able to look at you and discover this drift. And before long, your life's going to be a train wreck and nobody's going to have any idea how to help you. And you're going to think in your mind, how did I even get to this place? That's because you don't have authentic relationship in your life. You don't have anybody that you can be real with. Just this year, a couple of high-profile pastors who, if I said their names, you would know exactly who they are because they've written books, they've spoken in thousands of people across the world. Their churches were tens of thousands of people. Both of them left the ministry this year because of moral failings. Both of them said, I did not have people in my life who knew the real me. 
There was no group of accountability that I could be authentic with. That's so huge. You've got to have people in your life that you can be authentic with. That know when you're getting off course. Here's how your Bible says it. I've shared this passage a number of times. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. Got to get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or, or you hurt somebody else. You got to be able to confess your sins. You got to be able to be authentic with people. Here's what's interesting about that passage. James, the brother of Jesus who wrote it, spoke Greek, wrote the passage in Greek, and, and the Greek word translated for sin there is different than other words translated for sin. So if you know your Bible, you know that in the Hebrew, the word sin is an archery term. It means to fall short, um, to, to not make it to the target. That's what sin literally uh, means. You miss the mark. But here, James uses a Greek word called hamartia. And in the context of this uh, uh, paragraph, it means that you stray off course, that you've got to confess your straying off course to people around you. This is why you've got to be authentic. You've got to tell people, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's where I went astray. Here's where I need some help to get back on this path that God called you to run. That leads somewhere, somewhere good, somewhere life-giving. Paul is communicating to us that you have to have people that you can be authentic with. And that's not everybody. Okay, but you've got to have at least a few people in your life that you can confess these things to so you can be healthy, so that you can be healed on a deep, soul-encouraging level. And here's the thing about that. People aren't just going to volunteer for that, right? We're all busy. You've got to invite people. You've got to make the investment. You've got to do, yourself, do something to get yourself out there and figure out who you can trust. That takes time. It takes opportunity. And you've got to figure out how you can do that. Take the first step in being authentic. Have people over. Go out to lunch. Do life together. And over time, you'll figure out how you can be more authentic with those people. Figure out where you're struggling so you don't end up off course. Last thing, if you want to have the best year of your life, it's got to be your best year spiritually. You've got to be able to get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or you hurt somebody else. First, you've got to discover your profound significance. Second, you need to be authentic in everything. Finally, you have to practice self-giving love. You have the best relationships possible. You've got to practice self-giving love love. Here it is back in Ephesians. It says, pour yourselves out for each other. Pour yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick amending fences. How different could our world look if we got that right? Alert at noticing differences. Quick at mending fences. Let me ask you question. How quick are you to forgive? How quick are you to ask for forgiveness? It's all practicing self-giving love. Part of it is saying, I'm sorry. Part of it is saying, I messed up. Furthermore, look at what he says before that. Pour yourselves 
out for each other in acts of love. How have you done at doing that? Pouring yourselves out. What you have to understand is the greatest trick in the Bible, the greatest trick of the devil is to isolate people, to get them by themselves, to make them think that they're the only one. Listen to me, in a church our size, you're not the only one. Whatever you're going through, somebody has gone through that before. And if you'll be willing to pour yourselves out, you can help other people. See, I think most people think, well, if I can just get myself right, which is part of what we're talking about, then I'll be able to help people. But what's very counterintuitive is the Bible teaches that if you'll pour yourself out first, God will fill you up and he'll make you healthy. Devil wants you to believe that nobody cares about you, that you're the only one, and you need to hear me say that that's not true. But you've got to do the hard work of getting into relationships and pouring yourself out so that God will fill you up. Self-giving love. I'll close with this. Here's what I hope you've noticed as we've covered these three things this morning. Discovering your profound significance, that's all about your relationship with God. That's the vertical piece of it. Being authentic is all about the relationship you have with yourself. You've got to be real with yourself before you can be real with other people. And practicing self-giving love, that's all about your relationship with other people. See, there's three primary relationships. There's first the vertical then there's you. And finally, there's the relationship you have with other people. For you to have your best life, all three must be working in harmony together. But bottom line starts with you. You've got to get yourself healthy before you get yourself hurt or you hurt somebody else. Starts with your relationship with God. Then do the hard work at loving yourself Finally, pour out yourself for the people around you. Be authentic and real in life. Do the hard work of investing in your relationships. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for being here with us this morning, for giving us the opportunity to come and gather and worship your name. God, I know there's people here this morning that are struggling with getting their relationship with you right. God, I believe there's people here that have never invested into that relationship, never confessed with their mouth or believed in their heart that you are God, that you've saved them, that you've given them profound significance, that you want to be in a relationship with them. That's you this morning. If you're here and you feel like God's speaking to you right now in this moment, saying, that's you. You've never trusted me. You've never believed in me. I want to give you an opportunity right now just to restore that vertical relationship. I'd invite you just in your heart to pray with me. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've fallen short. I'm sorry I've got off path. But I believe in Jesus that he died for me, that he rose from the dead. And because of that, I'm made new. God, I'm trusting in you to put me on the right path. Help me 
discover my purpose. And God, I thank you for that new life. I thank you for every person here this morning, the, the life that you have given them. God, I'm, I'm just praying for a special moment here today that you help people discover their profound significance. That you discover relationships for them, help them invest in them so that they can be authentic and real. And God, I'm asking that you give people an opportunity to practice self-giving love. Fill them up as they pour themselves out into other people. God, I believe that you're going to give each person here their best life as long as they're seeking you first. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.